Okay, so first of all, welcome aboard everyone. It's a pleasure to have you. And first of all, I want to thank you for your patience. And I'm sorry if it has taken this long to get to this point, but behind the scenes, there have been a lot of things happening, developments, all positive stuff. And of course, we first had um, uh, one of the uh, one of the co-investigators who had uh, earlier on agreed to join Dr. Manisha Gore, but then she decided that it was not a good fit for her. She was wanting um, things in a certain way, in a very different way than the way I'm used to doing it. So I, you know, I, I, I said it's probably best that we we part ways, and you know, because I didn't want her to feel frustrated with because she's been used to doing it in a certain way, a study. And this is a, she has never done any. So, even in the sky, no? So, you're doing a side game? So, she's never done any phenomenological studies. Duty? Phenomenological study. Hello? Hello? Yeah, can you hear us? Hello? Hello? Can you hear us now? So anyway, um, uh, what um, what then happened was, of course, then then I had to also put out feelers, and fortunately, I was able to run into Sai, and I was able to run into Biraja, and I was able to also run into Duty. Through they had reached out to me, and in Sai's case, somebody else who is part of LinkedIn recommended uh, Sai's name to me. So I had a conversation individually with all three of them, okay? And um, they were all very interested in becoming part of this study and, and making a contribution in a meaningful way to what we were trying to accomplish. So well, I thought that rather than um, have conversations on the WhatsApp group about something and other somebody reading it and somebody not reading it and somebody being clear about something and not, let's have a conversation together. And of course, duty, if she's not able to communicate with us, she can also listen to the PowerPoint uh, or presentation here and, and take in what we're talking about. So let me go to the next slide. Okay. So the introduction and purpose, what are we really trying to do in this study? Okay. And I know this is probably to Dr. Thomas and to Dr. Alfonso, this will be not new material because we've already sent the detailed proposal and you've looked at it and all that kind of stuff. But for the interest of everybody now together, I think it's a good idea to, to go over it. So the study attempts to explore how transgender individuals make sense of their identities and existential import in a society that is yet to recognize their basic human rights to choose and practice an alternate sexuality, gender, and life world, right? So even though that sounds like a mouthful, <laughs> there's a lot of words and a lot of ideas in that one statement. But I think it captures, at least for me, that the purpose is to explore what is happening in our society? And this is study, as you know, is based in India. Okay, we are not talking about uh, 
the US, we're not talking about Europe, we're not talking about, we are talking about transgender community within India. So as we, as at least growing up for me, when I was first exposed as a child to transgenders and uh, to, to others, it felt very awkward, okay? Nobody explained what was going on, right? So we have all carried our own perceptions, ideas, and inferences about the community. And over time, there have been um, there's been a great deal of oppression of the community. Uh, but I'm also seeing now that there's a movement to try to understand more and more of transgender, our transgender friends, and that also includes LGBTQ are coming out and sharing with the world who they are, what they identify with, right? And how they want to be known, what gender they want to be known by, what alternate sexuality they want to be known by, okay? There was a time when used to, they used to call this sexuality, alternate sexuality dysfunctional or abnormal. We don't use that expression now anymore. You know, we, we respect that they can be who they want to be. They can choose to be who they want to be. As long as we're all following the civic sense and protocol and all of society, right? So uh, the focus of the study is on exploring resilience. Now I must say that this idea came to me when I was having a conversation with Sai, my original conversation and Sai said, rather than explore the plight of the community, which so much studies have already been done, the marginalization, the plight of the community, the oppression, the, uh, the social justice issues and all of that kind of stuff. There's already a lot of literature already emerging in that. We wanted to see something generative, how, are these community members trying to rise above, right? By that, I mean, are they trying to go, go back to school, get a degree? Some of them are activists. They want to do some solid work, solid research. And so how does that resilience come into play in who they are? Now, in addition to the resilience, there's also some want to be entrepreneurs. As a matter of fact, I did a very interesting, worked on a very interesting study uh, about six months ago that just got completed in, uh, in Peshawar, Pakistan. I was helping a doctoral student who was uh, researching entrepreneurship or entrepreneurial talent of the transgender community in Pakistan. She did a phenomenal study on that. And that was the first time I really got exposed to the actual life world, to the lived experiences of these unique individuals and what they are going through and how they are marginalized and how the government is either doing or not doing something to lift them up. So when I say resilience, not resilience, not only to become entrepreneurs, but also resilience as to get up and about, get educated, find themselves a place within society, get employed in a regular workforce, right? And I'm seeing 
some of that happening. And maybe there's a lot more happening, which I've not seen so far. But from what I've been reading about the situation, there's a lot of that stuff happening, which is very encouraging to me. So resilience, entrepreneurship, and enterprise. Enterprise doesn't necessarily mean setting up a business for yourself, setting up a, a beauty salon, or setting up a, a workshop, or setting up something that you want to work. So enterprise can mean anything other than that, whereby they're making a livelihood, doing not only something constructive, but also making a major contribution to society, right? As all of us are, like as Dr. Alfonso is, Dr. Shinto Thomas is, Birajats, everybody, we're making a contribution to society. So they want to be part of the mainstream. And, and I'll talk a little bit about this other aspect of otherness a little bit later in my slides. But while the research emphasis will be on the trans community, we will remain open to emergence and be willing to interview others who may identify themselves as not only trans, but also LGBTQ individuals. So there are some that identify as trans, but they also within that, they, it could be the LGBTQ, whatever, they identify with. So we, we will also be, so we have, we, this is an inclusive study. But let's remember that our focus is on exploring and understanding the phenomena of trans, right? But participants could come from a variety of sources, okay? So research objective and research question. So what is our research objective? As the literature review suggests, Communication and understanding gaps exist between those that are marginalized individuals and others who either seem not to care or look the other way as though the problem belongs elsewhere. So the thing is, I'm, I don't want to be too involved in this. I'm doing okay the way I'm doing okay. They, I, I'm, I have no problem if they exist as long as, you know, I'm okay within my community, right? So, so this feeling of it's not my problem. It's the government's problem. It's the community's problem. It's the municipality's problem. It is everyone's issue. We're all human beings, right? To say that racial injustice exists in the world and somebody else is going to fix it is like depersonalizing that so that it doesn't affect you personally. Oh, I'm okay. Nobody has discriminated against me. I have a good job. And even though I live in a foreign country, I'm not treated any differently. But wait a second. What about the others like me who are struggling? So do, is my voice going to be muted just because it doesn't happen to me? Or am I going to do something about it, right? Am I going to become an advocate? Am I going to become a spokesperson for other people? So the, this apathy and indifference toward the other 
other meaning they are the transgenders they are the lgbt community i am cisgender right they are trans so they are different from me now it's okay to say that they have a different lifestyle they have a different culture within the community they have a different way of doing things but to say that they are the other is a defense against the anxiety of not looking at otherness within our own selves because we are so afraid to look at otherness look at the look at the perpetrators within our own selves the suppressors we tend to create this otherness as though this otherness lies outside in the world because now it's a comfortable setting to be in so i don't have to deal with it because it is there the others so it just remains buried so this otherness is often inside us and unless we address this otherness inside us we are not able to fully empathize and appreciate the community what it is so the research question is and again please know that this is not set in stone dr thomas and dr alfonso and and biraja and sai we are open this is and that one of the reasons for having this conversation is we are open to this emergence and open to this being tweaked in a way that we can make the study rich and generative okay so please know that we would invite everybody's ideas thoughts on how best we can craft this right because everybody's hands are in this and everybody's minds are occupied in this so just for a start i wanted to create a research question what is it like for transgender individuals striving for resilience and enterprise to interact with cisgender individuals both inside and outside their natural settings okay right again this sounds like a mouthful but really what we are asking is how do they do they communicate for instance if there's a trans person trans individual who's who are, who is into education into enterprise into creating something or activism or whatever and is coming out into the community and saying i want to do this i want to be part of this how are the cisgenders the others communicating with them on those issues are they allowing them the space to be part of their dialogue part of the conversation or are we treating them as just the others that we will see how to fit you in the notion has always been we will try to see how you can fit in what do you mean fit in is that the way we would talk about our own children is that the way we would talk about own brothers and sisters oh we will see if you can fit in why if they have the qualifications if they have the wherewithal if they have the experience and the savvy they should be able to find their way seamlessly into those conversations without we becoming the custodians or advocates for them to fit in so phenomenological research is a very intense pathos laden emotional kind of research 
where we are going deep into the lived experiences of those participants and seeing what is it that they're experiencing, right? And what, do the, what are the experiences saying about this phenomena that we are researching? And I'll come to that in my next slide because we have to be very clear in a phenomenological study that we understand what it is that we are researching. So we have a problem statement, we all know that, but how are we going to go about that? What is the phenomena? Because all our interviews have to be directed toward addressing that phenomena, addressing that research question. And if we don't address the phenomena, we may end up in our interviews going into different rabbit holes where our research is not lying. It's not centered there. So it's important to understand the research question. It is important to understand the research phenomena, especially in phenomenological studies. We have to be very clear in our minds what it is that we are researching. And again, as I said earlier, we can open this up to a conversation and discussion and tweaking as, as the situation demands. But so please allow me to go through these slides and then we will open it up for a discussion so that you can get just a sense of where I'm going with this. So research methodology, phenomena and design. So the study will be conducted using a carefully recruited purposive sample of 25 to 30 transgender participants in different age groups ranging from probably 25 to 55 years, because we don't want to go very old and we don't want to go very young, okay? Not that the very young are not having issues, but we can, and again, this 25 to 55, we can tweak that, we can set it up in, in a way that everybody's comfortable with, with those participants. And, I, and I'm sure um, the others here like Biraja and Sai and all can throw a little more light into that and say, is that the, the age group or should we expand the age group there or what should we do with it? Because we have to have a recruitment um, objective. And unless we are very clear about what are the criteria that we are looking for, right? We are not going to be, have, be able to do good robust research. So in that semi-structured interviews, we are going to be conducting by Zoom because everybody's doing it by Zoom now. Um, for the purpose of data collection and subsequent analysis, interviews will be digitally recorded, which is an MP4 file and confidentially transcribed. We don't want to outsource this at all. We want to at all times protect the confidentiality and autonomy of these individuals. And anywhere we refer to anybody, we will be using pseudonyms, not their actual names, right? Which we all understand, it's not nothing new for us, right? Um, data analysis and interpretation will be conducted using the interpretative phenomenological analysis. It's an IP approach. It's an approach to data analysis. It's a more like a thematic analysis. It's not content analysis, it is thematic because content is more widely used in quantitative studies where there's a bulk of data and there's an obscure phenomena there, which we are not, which is unknown, that we want to see what's going on in the data. Here, we already know that the data has been collected around a certain research phenomenon. 
around a certain research question. <clears throat> so we know what we are looking for. However, what are the themes that are emerging? <clears throat> what are the convergences, divergences that are occurring? And what, is, what are those themes when you cluster those themes together? What are some of the emergent themes like superordinate themes and subordinate themes that are coming out, which we will express at the end of the study as our findings. Now, as you all know, and if you don't, this, is, this may come as inquiry to you that in phenomenology, it is not about describing, defining, validating, hypothesizing, explicating phenomena. It is about understanding the phenomena at its deepest level of pathos, at a very deep emotional level. So our interviews, whoever will be doing the interviews, have, interviewers have to be very emotionally in touch with themselves also first before they can be in touch with somebody else's emotions. Because sometimes interviews will come who have no savvy about, they're not even aware of what's going on within themselves. And so they come in and they bring in all sorts of bias and prejudice into the interviews. So we don't want to see that happen. We want to make sure that those biases are bracketed, set aside for the purpose of the research that we are going to be doing. <clears throat> so in addition to the individual interviews, we also plan to conduct which was not originally in the research proposal. So we need, may need to tweak that. I had been doing a lot of thinking around that because how what a person says to you individually, person meaning any transgender participant says to you individually in an interview and what they share with you when they're part of a group, there's an interesting contrast that happens. So the moment they're in a group setting, there's a new dynamic that is occurring because now they are part of a microcosm of society, right? Whether it is within their own community or in the focus group, people from outside, like genders also to see how, what kind of a dialogue is occurring there. To give us an idea in, in a depth into this research, both from a group standpoint and from an individual standpoint. So the research phenomena that we're looking at is transgender individuals, resilience and enterprise. Okay. So that, that so we know clearly that we are going out after the transgender community. But if we just say, oh, we are researching the transgender community, it is very vague. Within that, what are we researching? Are we researching their plight? Are we researching how they're oppressed? Are we researching how they are marginalized? Are we researching, what are we researching? And if we want to end up researching something that not only contributes to the extant body of knowledge, right? but is also generated that we are making a contribution that hopefully once it is published that could be used by others to gain an insight into that for the, from the standpoint of public policy, for the standpoint of gender studies in India. Right? 
It is research of this nature and the more innovative, the more in-depth the research, the better are its chances of being adopted by some organization, not everybody, right? So we are very clear on what it is that we are trying to do on this. So let me go to the next step, study sponsorship. Of course, the studies sponsored and just so that everybody knows it is a the sponsoring organization is my own firm that I have a little firm that I run in the US have been have had that for many years. And um, as a sponsor, I'm also the funder. Okay, so I'm also taking care of the entire so it's self funded study. Um, I'm the principal researcher and of course the lead investigator, but I'm also just like you all, right? I'm open to emergence. I'm not going to be one to say, do this and do that, and let's do this and let's do that. I'm a very democratic and very autonomous, I'm autonomous in one hand, but I'm also big into collaboration, okay? Because without collaboration and teamwork, this may as well not be a, the kind of study that we want to do. Um, the study is co-sponsored by Christ deemed to be University Bangalore, of course. And Dr. Shinto Thomas and Dr. Alfonso uh, Jose are both members of the psychology department. You're both with psychology department, right? Okay. So you're both in the psychology department. And yes, yes. Correct. Yes, but and, uh, we are in a different campuses actually. Okay. He works okay. in Central Campus and I work in Banagata uh, Campus. We, we had oh. the webinar last month. Oh, I see. Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. So we already, based on our initial research proposal that we sent out, we received a ethics and compliance clearance because we are researching human subjects. Not only are we researching human subjects, we are also dealing with a very, it's a very sensitive kind of study, okay? So you have to be extra careful and extra vigilant about how to go about it. So we did receive the ethics and compliance clearance. We will have to file an addendum now for the changes that we see happening. Within that, any new folks that are going to be part of that, like uh, Biraja has wanted to be a co-investigator, Syed already wanted to be in duty. And unfortunately she was not able to join us because of uh, technical issues but better UT or she goes by duty, D-Y-U-T-I. Um, she's also wanting to be part of this. Um, there was another gentleman who had requested that he be part of this. His name is Sanjay Bhattacharya from Symbiosis. Um, and he has not shown up here, nor did he communicate uh, with anybody, which is not a good sign to me. You know, If you're not wanting to be part of something just for the sake of being, putting, having your name there, that to me is not enough, right? And I'll come to that, to that next point where involvement and engagement is very critical. All hands on deck, otherwise this study is not going to work, right? So Christ University is represented by two faculty members, uh, Dr. Shinto Thomas and Dr. Alfonso Jose, both of whom are here with us. And other co-investigators, Ms. Avantika Thureja, who is um, right now on vacation, will be back on the 9th. Uh, and, she, and I'll share this PowerPoint um, presentation as well as the recording with her. She also has expressed an interest to be co-investigator, co-author in project. But her biggest role here is project coordination. And she does an amazing job at Project One. She's already doing project coordination for the cross-generational study. 
As you guys must be knowing that I'm currently engaged in a cross-generational study of communication patterns between Gen Z students in their early 20s up to the 20 to 24 and baby boomer educators in their late 50s and 60s. What kind of communication occurs between these groups? It's very, very interesting what is coming out of this. So we are excited. So she's managing that very well. And she does a great job. She's very, very savvy on administration. She almost like reads your mind what you want to do next. You don't have to tell her. And she's such a young person. She's only about 22 or 23 at the moment. So I wanted to give someone a chance to be part of something because otherwise they can't grow, right? So, so we're very excited to have her on board and you met her once, right? Have you not both of uh, you? Or yeah. did you meet her on Zoom? No, no, we didn't meet. Oh, you've yet to meet her, okay. We yeah. were like, we interacted over the WhatsApp. WhatsApp. Okay, but you will find her to be a very savvy, very mature for her age, young lady, and uh, and very dedicated to public policy, gender studies, and all that. So I felt that be a good fit. Uh, Miss Sai Rotu, what can I say? Sai, show your face. <laughs> there you are, Miss Sai Rotu, our activist among us, the rebel. The mover and shaker. That's too kind of you, but no, 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 no. I the 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 more the more I say about you, the less it is actually. To your you've done such amazing work, and I'm so honored that you chose to become a part of our study. You know, and what can be better than having someone who's living through that experience, has gone ahead and got her master's degrees in criminality, I think criminology and justice, and currently is working with the, with, the, with, the, with the prison population now you're working, right? Yeah, uh, my focus right now is on prison policy and accountability. So I'm looking at like transgender persons in Indian prisons. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. So she, Sai is going to be a wonderful asset to our team. Okay, and we will look to her for her support and guidance because she has done a lot of amazing work there. Um, then Beruti, of course, duty has not been able to join, but she is self-admittedly a bisexual person, okay? So she brings, she's openly bisexual and doing a lot of work, and she knows Sai quite well. As a matter of fact, they stay quite close to each other somewhere in Delhi, <clears throat> right? Dude, so, right? We actually studied together in this, yeah. Oh, there you They're both from TIS, by the way. So they bring, bring a lot of uh, wealth of knowledge, experiences, and personal experiences of, of that. And of course, Biraja, you just met. <clears throat> Biraja is a young lady who's doing some amazing work. She also has, Biraja, you have your master's, correct? Can I see your face? Yes. Uh, yes, I have a master's degree in gender studies. From where do you, from where do you have your master's? I did my master's from National Institute of Youth Development, uh, Chennai. Chennai, okay. And I had a conversation with her. I was deeply impressed. By so from Sri Perimbatur, right? Sorry? Sri Perimbatur, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, Sri Perimbatur. Now they're shifting the campus, I guess. Uh, but I, I'm yeah. not aware. So when did you finish? When did you finish? 
I finished two uh, thousand and uh, last year two thousand twenty. So, so your current uh, the director is my guide. Yeah, yeah, I know he was a professor, like a HOD in the Pondicherry yeah. University Psychology Department. Yeah, yeah. Sivnath, Professor Sivnath Dev, right? Yeah. So he he was my PhD supervisor, and we have a close connection always. Yeah. What a small world, huh? So yeah. So we so we Still have so we are very delighted to have among us uh, some really. good solid research oriented folks who want to do and you know it's very important for us a, a study is like a team correct and unless you have all team members trying to pull in the same direction we can have issues coming up and that i am not suggesting that it is about consensus that everything you should agree on that's not the point but the point is we should agree to disagree if we feel that there's something that needs to be changed tweet let's do it let's put our voice in because if we don't add your voice to the dialogue and then later things are set in stone once we have the addendum filed for the then then at that point changes are very difficult to make so that's why i was giving and and that is another reason why i wanted to offer this uh, zoom presentation today so that you know if anybody is sitting on the fence and feels after this discussion <clears throat> that you know it's challenging for me i may not be able to do this and we understand life happens you know not everybody has to be part of everything right we are inviting you to be part of this but you may have your own challenges right and if those challenges are too indomitable and if you feel that you cannot incorporate that into your work um and i'll talk about the time frame and everything in a bit uh, just in in the next slide so that i want everybody to feel comfortable with this correct yes dr thomas and yes dr hose right we want to make sure everybody is comfortable with this yeah that's right because the team needs to be like moving in the, in the same pace and with the same direction <clears throat> and i have noticed that when teams move in the same direction a lot of amazing work can get done right so let me almost i'm almost done so give to to the roles and responsibilities now given the scope intensity and importance of this study it is expected that all co-investigators will actively engage including but not limited to participant interviewing focus group discussion data analysis interpretation and writing as needed now let me explain what i mean by that i'm not suggesting that each one of us will be doing the interviews or each one of us is going to be involved in this or that or the other it's a shared responsibility so some people are very savvy at interviewing right and dr thomas you might say to me you know i love phenomenological in depth interview so let me interview a few participants and dr alfonso might say to me you know i'd love to interview a few great we will have an interview schedule which is a you know it's only a schedule it's a road map that you covered most of those questions but you don't necessarily have to ask tick by tick <laughs> i've asked this question second question third question fourth. it's a conversation happening right you're having a dialogue with people you're going deep into the experiences so it's not that um the question number 8 should only be asked after you asked seven questions 
you know, you can go back, you can actually address question number eight first if the conversation is going in that direction and then come back to the one, two, three, four, five, six, right? So we understand that process. Um, as far as data collection is concerned, it's a very important piece because you can create an MP4 file, but who is going to transcribe the data? Because until we transcribe, yes, we want to hear the conversations. I would, I love to hear all the MP4 recordings to see what actually transpired. But if the transcriptions are not done properly, faithfully recorded on paper, on when I say paper, on a Word document or PDF or whatever, we are not able to see what's going on, right? What are the themes that are emerging? What was asked and what was not spoken and what was spoken, things of that nature. So the data analysis, interpretation, writing, all of us have skills in different areas. Some, I have some skills in certain areas. I don't, my skills are lacking in other areas, you know? And I'm open enough and I'm, I'm not embarrassed to say that I'm lacking in this or that. So those that have skills that can be put to the, the best put forward, we can use those skills to do that. So because it's a shared teamwork, we can do that that way. But I just want to be clear though, we don't want to have anybody in the team or on the team that is going to sit on the fringes. You know, I've seen some people, not too many hopefully, but sometimes I've seen people, they'll want to be part of the team, but at the but they tend to want to become observers rather than participants. They want to, and it is, and nothing wrong with that. Maybe it's part of their nature to observe. But if all you're going to do is observe, right? Then who's going to actually do the work? So we want to have people who can both observe and participate. They can become participant observers, correct? And I know both of you are nodding your head. I'll talk to Alfonso and Dr. Shinto Thomas because participant observation is a big thing in psychology, right? Yeah, participant observation. One of the, the tools is, that is, is huge. So, so we will we will have um, all of that work, and we'll divide the work in such a way that it can work seamlessly, right? And the point of contact I want to, to remain is Avantika because she's going to capture all of that information. She's going to set up the interviews. She's going to do all of that stuff with your help, of course. Now, as you well know. I don't have, and, and I'm not speaking for Dr. Shinto Thomas and Dr. Alfonso, but I'm sitting here so far away and I don't have access to the trans, to the LGBT community in India. So we're going to turn to, and one of the reasons that we sought out uh, Biraja and Sai and Duty is because they work with those people all the time. They're knowledgeable about those people. They will be able to separate who might be good candidates to research and who might be just candidates to research. There's a difference because we want rich evocative descriptions from their lived experiences. We want them to say something of value to us, something that they are living through, not just describing what is happening to somebody else, right? So there, 
we need that involvement. And investigators who are not employed by the university, I'm, I'm very transparent about this aspect. Those that are not employed by any university, uh, such as, you know, like you both are in, employed by Christ and, and Sanjay is in, employed by Symbiosis University, but those that are not employed, of course, I all, in my individual meetings with them, I told them that I'd be very willing to offer is modest stipend for their efforts, okay? Now, I have not said it's a monthly salary, okay? But based on what you're working on, based on what you're doing, we will try to be fair and I will share with you because you remember that this is a self-funded study. So I don't have tremendous amount of money going around, but whatever do I do have, I would like to humbly share with you so that in some way, shape or form, you're compensated for this work, okay? I don't want you to do this work free. Okay, but I also want you to be able to understand that this is not like a typical uh, internship where they're saying we'll pay you X amount of rupees every month and, and, and things of that nature. I will be very fair and my word goes a long way. So there, therefore, uh, you need not have to be concerned about that. You will get paid and based on the basis that we will decide. So I can have an individual conversation with with the one the, with, with the other investigators and say you know what it is that uh, that it is worth and we get when we make make sure that they get paid stipends may be may, may be paid monthly we'll pay them monthly but it's not a fixed salary i just wanted to share that okay so tentative time frame this is very important for us to understand right because the thing that comes up is we are going to be doing this what is a tentative timeline in our minds right so we expect the study interviews to begin in March, because the realistically speaking, right, Dr. Alfonso, that we will have to submit this new editions, right? And we don't want to interview anybody until and unless we get the okay from the ethics and compliance clearance. Because not only from that standpoint of clearance, but also to keep the study rigorous. Exactly, exactly. Correct? And, yes, and yes. We, we are all on the same page that we are dealing when dealing with human subjects, there's always the potential of some psychological harm or damage. And we want to make sure that we mitigate it to the extent possible so mm -hmm. that we are protecting their rights. Right? Mm -hmm. And they should know who to turn to if they have a difference of opinion, they have a problem directed directly to to the ethics community, also the two faculty members, Dr. Shinto Thomas and Dr. Alfonso Jose, who have a dual responsibility. Not only do they have the responsibility to that, but also the responsibility to participants who are having some issues. So that we can sort out the issues before they become bigger. Of course, as the principal investigator, they can always turn to me, but they may feel more comfortable turning to you because you're members of Christ team to the university and also you're based in India. So, you know, so we want to make yeah. sure that they are comfortable with this and none of their data is ever going to be used verbatim without their express consent. Because in studies, when we do the publishing, we oftentimes use their words, right? Without naming them, right? Because when we are talking about a theme that is emerging, we support that theme 
with actual words. Yeah. What was said yeah. in the in the. So we need to provide the verbatims. Verbatim. That's it. Yeah. Thank you. So so we we want to want them to feel comfortable that whatever we are going to be putting in the study. When I'm saying in the study, when we actually publish the study or publish the manuscript of the study, that we will take their concern. I might say to you, okay, Dilip, we interviewed you. We were planning to keep this and we are not going to call you Dilip. We'll call you somebody else, right? Sonu or whatever. And we're going to put these words in the study. Is, are you okay with it? And Avantika will take care of all the consents. And anybody that will be, we will be interviewing actually will have already submitted the online cons informed consent form and said that I fully understand all the contents and I'm willing to be interviewed. Now, I have also decided because a lot of times, one, because of the pandemic and two, because of, and I don't want to paint a general picture, but a number of our friends from the trans community are currently hurting financially also, right? As a lot of people are, you know, not, not everybody has been gainfully employed. So people that we recruit for as participants, I have decided that I will pay them a modest stipend for that interview, right? For the time that they spend with us. As long as they're spending the 90 minutes together in the interview, and as, though, as long as they're agreeing to be interviewed and ask those questions. Once the interview is completed, Avantika will make sure through Google Pay, that money goes directly to them. So all the money will be going to Avantika and she will make sure that she, all these people are promptly paid. For the focus group, when we interview uh, participants, we bring on board. Likewise, we will pay some modest amount to them. For people that do the transcription, the participants that are doing or researchers that are doing the transcription in addition to the interview, we will also pay them separately for the transcription because the transcription is a separate exercise. You can do a 90 minute video call that gets recorded, but transcription is actual grunt work, data entry almost. You know. so, we'll, so we will be very fair about how people are compensated. I don't want anybody to feel that, oh my goodness, you know, I did this work and I didn't get paid. So we want to be very crystal clear and transparent. Right, Dr. Thomas and Dr. Alfonso, we want to be very clear cut with them that this is what we are going to be doing. Yeah. This is how people are going to be compensated. Yeah, sure. And we need to be have that clarity on that and even the ethical procedures and the protocol that we need to follow while doing the interview, all that. Right. Exactly. exactly. Because even I think like before we start the interview process, so all those who are doing that interview needs to get like clearly briefed about how they need to follow those protocol. That is while doing the interview. Absolutely. Once that process is done, then how with, the, with regard to the data, how we will be following the ethical protocols or that everything is needed. Like yeah. the ways like will be ethical. Yes. Yes. So. Um, Avantika Freja would be the point of contact. She would coordinate all the activities. We expect that all disputes arising, the disputes can arise and will arise, that hopefully we can sort out the disputes and differences between us and with the participants. 
in an amicable way without somebody feeling really upset or enraged, right? Things unexpectedly can always occur, okay? And we want to be prepared for that, right? And that's why I take your point very seriously, Dr. Thomas, what you just said. And I honor that point because interviewers have to be very, very careful about how they are treading on this path. What kind of questions are they asking? How much to prove? How much not to prove? Are your questions going to be object-oriented or are your questions going to be ego-oriented? We don't want people to start asking ego-oriented questions which are upsetting them emotionally about something. Yeah, because we are exploring uh, the live, like, lived experiences. So always these experiences have like, no, emotional content. And so we need to be very careful with that. So the moment that we are just pricking that, like you know, we, are, we are more in getting involved. So then the entire nature of the interview can be become biased. No, so we need it, to be, can become, yeah. it can become very virulent and it can become yeah. very volatile. Yeah. And we don't want that. Yeah, because sure. the whole yeah, purpose, of, purpose of research is, is to get good, rich, evocative data without troubling the other person to the point yeah. that they're psychologically upset. Now they're saying things to you that have got nothing to do with the interview. Yeah. They're totally ticked off by you as an interviewer or the kind of questions you're asking. And so, you know, sometimes people can get upset with that and I'm yeah. sure we can go. So there may be, once we receive your individual consent that you're agreeable to all the study terms and we will put together a small memorandum of understanding of the study terms and all that, whatever we have discussed. We, we will issue a formal letter of appointment to the researchers so that they know that they have something in hand yeah. that is not, because some something, some formality has to be there, you know, a formal yeah. letter of appointment. Everybody upon completion of the study will also receive a certificate of completion that they participated in the study and they were contributed to the study. Um, and let's just remember one thing that given the number of people that we have in our co-investigators team, it is possible, I don't know how it is going to actually work out, it is possible that we may actually produce two articles, not one, based on the same study. One article based on the lived experiences of the trans community through that um, individual interviews, and maybe one article based on the data that were collected through the study, the focus focus. Therefore, we would like to give everyone a chance to be a co-author on either of the articles, right? Because unless an article that, I know some journal articles have no problem having three, four, five, six, seven authors, but sometimes yeah. we get that many authors, <laughs> it becomes a real mishmash. Yeah, so yeah. What, what I feel is that, so we can look at the, the contributions of each uh, like the participant. Exactly. So based on the, the contributions, so for yeah. example, uh, so always like uh, while I was doing my uh, the PhD, so we used to do a lot of uh, contributing, like you know, contributing uh, publications. Yeah. So there, so how we used to have is that, so one of them will be like uh, conceptualizing the idea, then yeah. uh, like the different phases of the, the, the study, the research, different individuals will be contributing. 
then while right. coming to the the writing part uh, like the first draft will be like prepared one by by one individual then right. the second person will be going through that individual and he will be adding more meaning and adding the other points then the third right. person will be so like uh, i think that like, uh, if we all uh, get a chance that will be something good because uh, the authors have different different expertise yeah so so the so if, because if in our on board we have different expertise so that will make uh, that will increase the uh, the richness of the the article or the manuscript that will be coming up with I, so I'm, the, I'm I'm in agreement with that, and we can yeah. certainly decide. Uh, yeah. So that I think, like, uh, like uh, in most in most cases, uh, like uh, as of now, current the trend is that the more the authors are there for the articles, the more acceptable acceptability will be there for the article for the publication. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, is that right? I was yeah, now they are because so because now they are looking for the collaborative work because otherwise what will happen is that there can be the researcher post biases there when you are single, writing an article single handedly. That is that is great. That is great. That is awesome. If that is the case, I have no issue. Because yeah, that's what because I because like that is what I like from my experience of publishing because I have few good publications. So I have like the uh, the orders from both the Australia, India, US. So uh, different uh, the, the people will be minimum six or seven orders will be there for one oh, single article. Then the, it makes a problem that much easier. I was I was yeah. under the impression that too many authors. So that's great, and that is where great. your experience counts. So we are yeah. open to whichever. I think like all the team members can be the because at, at the different phase uh, phases of the research, all of them are doing good contribution. Yes. So yes. all of them and, have like. And I have no issue. And both yeah. articles, all team members are there. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Everybody, yes. let let them get. And actually, yeah. believe it or not, the and I think from one or more standpoint, when you have more authors, the crawlers, the web crawlers, pick up more. So you will get more hits to your article because every yeah. author has his or her own community. So they go by so names. So citations. Say, so, so citation. So let's say they yeah. go by um, uh, Dr. Shinto Thomas, and Dr. Shinto Thomas has this large academic community, right? They will automatically get connected with a lot. So I have like a very large academic community and yeah. a very large professional community on LinkedIn. I'm about ten thousand plus members. In my community, so if my name is also there, it helps yeah. to get the word out. Yeah. And the more hits to the article, that's how you know they rate the articles. There's a I, I forget the name, the expression that they use for that. So Efficiency of the impact factor. Recommend the article. Impact factor. Impact factor. Citation. So I'm glad we talked about this. That is great. I'm glad, glad to hear that. So thanks for your feedback on that. So here we are. So I shared with you. Now it is time for us to reflect, talk about anything that comes up to your mind. Sai, why don't you? I know you've been patiently listening to everything. Why don't you share with us what are some of your thoughts? Um, so initially, uh, a few of my thoughts were actually. I think uh, you you will have to send us the proposal once again. I think I'll just go through the research questions specifically, uh, yes. and I, I completely agree with the fact that we have uh, 
fewer research questions and because uh, having extensive research questions sometimes just like confuses the entire scope of the study Correct. so the one research question strategy seems to be like uh, a good way to go forward uh, however I, i'm a little confused and concerned about uh, the clubbing together of let us say uh, lgbtq and trans people because we talk about transgender persons in certain places we only talk about transgender persons and in certain places we talk about lgbtq people it will be uh, the only reason why that will be difficult is that when we are trying to uh, look at the phenomena of resilience or look at the phenomena of uh, enterprise then uh, the community historical context etc play a huge role in why and how that phenomena is placed and in the okay. indian context also it becomes a little complicated because mm-hmm. legally uh, transgender as an identity has a different kind of legal recognition it has different kind of uh, social security uh, different kinds of uh, government policies that, uh, that we are also seeing a huge influx of so uh, trying to uh, establish it in a context might be difficult if we are looking at lgbtq communities as a whole and might be uh, comparatively different if we are only looking at transgender persons but however i do agree that we can look at sexuality as uh, one of the ways Uh, in which we go about it but um, as far as see, this is my understanding from uh, my own academic pursuits um, that in most places uh, is not an where apart from self determination right uh, no government document reflects whether you're heterosexual or homosexual or queer in any different way uh, there is no uh, other form of documentation which requires you to identify as such so uh, the kind of discrimination or the kind of marginalization that a person uh, would face from uh, the sexuality spectrum uh, community would be slightly different from the kind of marginalization that uh, or, or the kind of social context that a transgender person might come from let us say uh, me as a transgender person trying to uh, open up and actually i'm right now in hyderabad uh, i came here for a conference um, a get together of human rights defenders uh, of transgender persons we are approximately 80 90 trans people who have gotten together here Uh, and oh, nice, even, nice. Yeah, that's very yeah. nice and even in today's conversations for example the kind of things that came about were that uh, somebody wants to open a small uh, tea stall but uh, because their identities are very clearly trans because everybody recognizes them as trans or their bodies are transgendered continuously um because of nice. that there, there are a lot of like the kind of um barriers that they have to cross is let us say the owner says oh you transgender people don't keep things clean uh, and it's a great thing that we've given you a house so now we will take off your electricity don't do business here don't put up a tree stall here and things like that oh, so gosh. the kind of entrepreneurial or uh, resilience building uh, challenges that a community like the transgender community in india would face and communities such as lgb uh, and queer communities would face m- might be a little different and uh, either we start from talking about gender and sexuality in general and then go on to speaking about trans people in specific or uh, we focus on trans people and then we talk about sexuality as a conceptual uh, inclusion into that instead of a uh, individual inclusion like a person inclusion into it we talk about sexuality as a concept and then we talk about 
uh, what role does then uh, sexuality or sexual orientation and sexual identity play uh, in one's gender transgressions or uh, so uh, that that that's just one point i had i think it'll it'll make um, the job of setting the context much much easier uh, for us if if we try to focus it on the and that is why your voice and the others voices are very important because yeah. you have that lived experience and you're coming from experience like i can say authoritatively about qualitative research because i've had the experience i've done the work i've done the research but i am not part of that life world there right so your lived experiences count and just to clarify when i was saying lgbtq i was only meaning from the standpoint of let's say we are looking for trans recruits right for the interviews and some trans individual also identifies as lgbt and tells us that look i'm lesbian or i'm gay or whatever right yeah so i was only meaning from that standpoint that so if somebody is sharing already with us that or we already know that person that that becomes very much part of the study not that we are studying lgbtq or not that we are going specifically for lgbtq but if they are saying they are trans as well as lg member of the lgbt community that should be okay right what do you think yeah. i completely yeah. agree with that yeah um, so yeah, what i was saying was that then sexuality becomes a concept while looking at transness right then so uh, that way then what happens is there are trans people who are straight there are trans people who come from across different spectrums of Thanks. the sexual orientation Thanks. and that makes Thanks. perfect sense but yeah, that's uh, what i was meaning it's possible not to separate yeah. them both in terms of no 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 absolutely not and i just i'm i'm, I'm glad you brought that up and i just that is why i wanted to clarify that we are our study is about trans the recruits are going to be trans only okay 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 that makes sense even i just slightly confused yeah, about no Yeah. Yeah, 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 right which is yeah. very much there because it is a very prevalent idea within that how do they deal with that how 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 are they able to manage that how they you know so those are that will make the study richer than confusing so i am totally in agreement with and i like the way you are so poignant sai in the your expression for a very young person like that to be so clear in your ideas at soft to you my man yeah at 68 say... i'm still struggling how to make sense yeah okay i just <laughs> had one additional point uh to make away um so given that we're looking at resilience and enterprise there are yes. obviously there's an expansive literature that are already talks about resilience and enterprise uh on the basis of indian societal structures and how certain communities on the basis of caste religion and so on 
uh, have uh, greater barriers to cross uh, when it comes to uh, uh, enterprise uh, to a certain extent. And this we have seen in the context of, let us say, a number of researchers talking about uh, what it takes for Dalit people uh, to, let us say, uh, make something of themselves in terms of enterprise uh, to access education or to access funding and so on and so forth. Um, so what I was thinking was that in, in one of the purposes, because we're already looking at the purposes sampling, um, we could maybe uh, look at communities marginalized by other social structures as well while looking at trans people and then say, uh, because then I think we'll have an intersectional understanding of uh, various different social structures and how they play out in one community uh, of intersectional marginalizations uh, is a proposal that I have. Um, Obviously, we can discuss more on it and then figure out what. No, no, I would love to get your feedback and take that perspective definitely, definitely. And we can incorporate, see, as you well know, and some of you that are into, into phenomenology, but if you were not into phenomenology, you should know that. A, I'm glad that you like the idea of the one single research question because phenomenology is not about RQ1, RQ2, RQ3, right? It is about a single research question which captures the essence of the phenomena in that question. Now, how we add new perspectives to that is through our interview schedule. So our research phenomena may be the same, but in our interviewing, we can go into many different areas. So for instance, you're having a conversation, you can, get, you can say, that's great that you're sharing this experience with me. So let me ask you a question, Ravi or Sushma. How's your, what are your thoughts around sexuality as it relates to, I'm just giving you hypothetically, and it relates to transgender. What are the challenges or whatever, or how do you adapt to that? So we can incorporate that, your line of thinking, Sai, when what you're suggesting, and those are very, very nice, uh, wonderful, um, feedback that you've given us, we can incorporate that into the line, into the questionnaire itself. When you say question in the interview schedule, we'd call it. And delve deep into those areas. Try to get as much rich data that we can on that. So that's that's great. I love that. I love that idea. Raja. Yeah, Raja. Okay. Good. No, I, I was just about to say something like I have been noted the same thing that the Sai like you know responded while your presentations about the LGBT and how we need to be clear about the trans participants and the LGBT other ways. So what happens is that when we are coming up with the themes, so the, one of the major the, uh, like uh, like the, the questions that you will be asking is few of your participants are from. LGBT sections are few of you from the trans, then how are you clubbing those two different the group of participants? And, so and, 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 the, yeah. and that is not a standard purposive sample at purposive all. I'm totally in a sample. We keep, so we keep it very so but again, we keep it yeah. Yeah, very clear. But you know, coming to the, the second uh, the point that he, he has brought, I think like that's an idea, like a good way to look at it. But again, so when we are bringing different uh, the, the dimensions like uh, the other social structures or that, we will be slightly deviating from our major current focus. 
that is uh, because our primary focus is on uh, trans uh, like you know, the people's resilience and their entrepreneurship that experiences when we are bringing the other structures so what we will have is that we will be losing our fo- uh, like you know, focus from this area and we will be getting so what happens is that we will be getting different living experiences and different themes but how we will be able to anchor everything to our primary uh, like objective so that will be the the major the concern that, that is, we have that is a poignant insight and just to piggyback on what you said what dr thomas said that in phenomenological interviews sometimes there are deviant findings that occur now if that structure what sai had brought up that perspective yeah. naturally emerges yes. through the interviews yeah it can then, be addressed in chapter yeah. in the chapter 5 or in yeah. the findings section so that's what so instead of right. including let us keep it as open so if uh, like while we are interviewing them if someone from those uh, social structures and being a part of the trans and if they are bringing those uh, elements we can more get deep get deep into it so if, even that structure can be one of the same theme same like the sexuality so in that way we can bring it so that's what yeah. i was scouting so so because what happens is it is likely that what sai is bringing up naturally emerges in the interviews yeah we can't dismiss that especially yeah. if it is emerging as a very strong theme then we address it and yeah. we make sense of it for great great point i want to give this to biraja i know he's been yeah. she's been very silently taking in all that without any sound so we want yeah, to make just... sure biraja biraja is still awake i am awake i'm just hearing the discussion so now just adding on to that what sai said and after that dr thomas said that we are not so i just have a question around the purposes like if we are recruiting 20 to 25 people and it is a purposive sampling so is it like the uh, like is only the gender identity would be the criteria to recruit because i agree to sai to a great extent and whatever my experience working being with the community that uh, there are a large part of the community who are like the traditional communities like the hijra community and people who are at uh, doing sex work caste is a very integral part of that kind of like the lives of uh, the community members because uh, who like a person like me who comes from an upper caste gets to go to a higher education can hide the identity and then can come out after masters as a trans person but not everybody can afford that and then people are forced to like oh, not forced like people choose and people go to the street to do sex work or begging so that caste plays a very important role there and similarly uh, like i am aware of community members with disability who are also part of entrepreneurial activities and uh, like for them it's not easy to do organizing even if they are trans and so those are like i'm just not saying that we should keep it as a criteria per se like as i suggested i would agree to that ki that would give a more in- intersectional approach to the project because it's an Im- very integral part I, I, other socialities i'm not aware but caste is a very important part of the entire thing because who is at like even in the trans community who gets to get education and who gets to go for begging and 
sex work is a very important question that even the community is looking at and realizing and even it is part of the movement so yeah i just wanted to add that so giving this how the sampling goes uh, like we if it's like just on the basis of gender identity then uh, uh then it's just like it will eventually come out but what if our sampling just comes from people like me like that's a question like if just people who are at higher studies organization then wouldn't the research be limited like i'm just i just have a doubt how are we looking at our sampling okay so i'm not very sure i understand where you're going with your question but i have somewhat of an understanding and and you ask a very pertinent question because when you're recruiting a sample you have to be it's kind of like you know in in sampling garbage in garbage out right if you recruit a bad sample you're not going to get a rich study right you may just end up getting going someplace else so the criteria the selection criteria has to be very clearly marked so are we saying that any person who admittedly is a transgender individual is going to be part of the study or are we saying that any person who's a transgender who has been enterprising enough to go get an education let's say we might say cut off it we, i i would be reluctant to cut it off at same cut off to masters because a lot of people are not able to go that far what about a bachelor's degree somebody that has at least had what do you say side to that someone at least who has had a bachelor's degree um very honestly i think we should not have an uh, academic qualification for the interview participants that we have but instead oh. look at entrepreneurship uh, because there are a number of trans people who are not educated who are school uh, pass outs or drop outs uh, who have gone forward to let us say uh, start small scale cottage industries who have gone forward to start uh, and this is actually happening uh, let us say grace banu from tamil nadu has a small uh, milk cooperative that she started along with a number of 50 50 around 50 trans people uh, there is trans equality society in telangana and hyderabad that actually just make pickles and uh, deliver it to people and uh, there are trans people who have right now taken uh, ownership of a few autos in hyderabad and in tamil nadu and who are uh, using those as a medium of uh, employment and moving forward basically enterprise and resilience so i i i think all of these then academic qualifiers then become uh, secondary uh, and that that could be one aspect obviously uh, of how we look at it education is one of the ways in which uh, enter- enterprise and resilience works because remember and- we are talking about resilience and enterprise and when I, by enterprise i don't necessarily mean business yeah yeah i mean person is enterprising enough to want to develop and so but because mainstream jobs are mostly uh, also dependent on the kind of qualifications that we are discussing trans people the biggest right. problem the trans people have faced is that they don't have the requisite qualifications uh, to be able to get uh, full time employment at most of the mainstream employment opportunities that exist uh, now okay. having battled that theme in trans employment and the work around trans employment in india has largely been towards either the informal or the self entrepreneurship uh, sector or it has been either through uh, let us say to a certain extent a training based recruitment uh, kind of a policy is what we are looking for and that has been the success model that we have seen uh, in a number of different examples okay and and on on that point just to piggyback on your thought i just had another thought there because we are doing the studies in english right 
all our interviews, I'm going to be saying, hopefully we want to attract participants. I mean, I'm not saying that they should be fluent in English, but you know, we are, I would have a real challenge if, if somebody is being interviewed in Tamil, in Tamil Nadu who's speaking a different language and from Kerala is speaking a different language and somebody is speaking this. If as long as in Hindi, I would understand Punjabi or something else. But if we, at least we have someone, a recruit, a, a participant who can at least converse in reasonably okay English, correct? Because otherwise we may, no, we can. And with that said, I'm always cautious that somebody who's a real, somebody who's done some real amazing work may not be able to really talk very openly, may not feel comfortable expressing his deepest or her deepest feelings in English, but rather in a different language, in a native language. So then how do we tackle that? Because we don't want to have a smorgasbord of transcripts that we have to then start to translate into. <clears throat> So, yeah, yeah, that, that is my, my issue there. Yeah, that causes a logistical problem for us, uh, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I, I think what we can do is initially let us go with English speaking uh, people and make that a qualifier because that is the language in which we are going to be writing, right? Because as a phenomenological study, if you are to take informed consent for quotations, you will have to go back to them and ask them for informed consent on the basis of quotations, which would be in English. So we it becomes exactly so somebody that's reading an informed consent form yes. if the person is saying i agree i'm agreeing to the terms then the, I, we assume that the person has read that in english right and also so like, at least at the basic at the basic fluency uh, per se is no no no, no 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 yeah, yeah. this communicational english i don't part. care i don't care as long as tooty putty english may be bold it doesn't yeah. matter yeah. that's okay I can understand that. You can understand that. But and what we but I would like your idea. So in the initial, let's do a pilot. Once we get the informed consent form, let's do a pilot of three or four such interviews or five interviews. And let's see what are some of the challenges that we are getting. And then based on the pilot, we can tweak the actual study and say this changes or that changes can be can be incorporated into that. Yeah. I just have one more question. I'm sorry for Go taking ahead. up so much time. Uh, no, so no, are no, we please. planning on also doing, uh, for example, it, it, it is a huge possibility and from qualitative uh, studies specifically, I've seen um, that sometimes we feel a need to go back to the participants and ask additional questions or take like follow-up interviews to a certain extent. Um, Sometimes, like as themes emerge, if we somewhere uh, lack clarity or if we feel like the observation that we are making uh, is, is not conclusive enough uh, and we need more substance to talk about that theme, then are we considering follow-up interviews is my question, after which okay. I'll follow-up, I, I, I'm totally open to follow-up feedback from that. So let's say... I'm talking to, I had an interview, right? And I was not very clear about what she was saying. I can certainly go back and say, you know, I was wondering, can you throw some light on that? But not to have another new interview. Okay. Because, Obviously. because in phenomenology, it, the, it, the essence is lost when you go back and re-question and go deep into that. Because it, the whole process in phenomenology is that you're going, it's a retrospective account of that lived experience in the past. It is not something that is happening in the present. 
they're narrating an incident in an experience and anecdote or whatever an episode from the past so we do that and yes we can allow ask for clarity no problem at all and i think people are very open to that if you go back to them because they feel respected also that hey you know this was not clear to the interviewer interview is going back because once and we go we can go back at that time when we are asking them for consent to use their words in the study and we can say that look we were planning to use the verbatim comments is that what you were meaning or were you did you want to add something else to it um no yeah that is what i meant so i was saying that um, I, as we do that i think as we go forward we'll also realize yeah. if there is a language barrier that is very evident or that is restricting our sample uh, substantially then maybe we could take a call at a later stage but as of yes, now yes. i think it yeah. is a fair uh, presumption to make that we start with english uh, as a primary english. language and among ourselves i think we speak quite a few languages so uh, of course exactly so right. yeah we we, like, we could possibly yeah, because i think four to five states get covered in hindi so uh, exactly and in the south the malayalam is there gujarati is there hindi is there gujarati is there yeah. <laughs> you know so so we can under so that's no issue at all the one thing i can't speak is marathi but uh, you know so but i think we we have the makings of a very rich study and yes we have to tease out some of these issues and and craft a revised proposal uh, not significantly revised but to incorporate some of what we have discussed so that we have, we give clarity to where we are going right so that we don't we are not ambiguous about it so we can do that and and um, move forward with that um, any other questions anybody have dr thomas uh, dr alfonso anything else You'd yeah like so i was us? i was sitting here and listening to all the comments and all the questions yeah. that was coming up there so i could see yes all all of them when they were mentioning about each of the concerns is everything uh, at least to a greater extent was making a lot of sense like uh, when sai was suggesting about the lgbt community being added to the study or maybe when that intersectionality was being brought in there uh, so in the older settings i feel like uh, we have to be very specific with the participant we need to be very specific when we say that okay this uh, maybe an adult uh, person or maybe we can make the criteria like that an adult who is identifying as a trans individual and if we want to um, go for that intersectionality i would suggest we shouldn't be keeping it as a criteria there in the participant but when we take the participant very purposeful manner um uh, that a transgender individual from india an adult transgender individual from india that should be taking care of this uh, all the other intersectionality if it is naturally arising there rather than we try to fit in uh, participants or else we need to be very specific yes we need to look into only that intersectionality aspect and along with that we will be looking at the emergence and uh, otherwise i would suggest yes, we should be specific about the participant but to what text and we need to be very very clear about that aspect and that's one thing i think right now we need to work on in order to decide who would be the exact participant or what would be our criteria when we say purpose assembly what will be our uh, criteria there um, like in order to be very specific with that and then as naturally if there are themes arising yes definitely we can include uh, let it be intersectionality or let it be 
um, sexuality, whatever be the themes, when, because we are going to ask them about their lived experiences. So lived experiences, I think it should be naturally covering for all those things. So uh, that's what I think when we say, or when we are uh, submitting this revised proposal, we need to be very specific with our participant as well. Because each participant, if we are particularly going to focus on intersectionality or maybe caste, that might be carrying another handful of ethical issues as well. So we need to be taking yeah. care of that issue also. And we need to be very concrete with that particular area, who would be our potential participant and who might not be the potential participant. Right. Excellent. Um, so just uh, for that, I'm sorry, uh, I'm just adding on to what Dr. Alfonso was saying, and it, it, that makes actually much more sense than what I was saying. So um, what I would suggest is then maybe we add a qualifier of, let us say, people working on uh, enterprise and resilience of trans people who identify as trans. Then what happens is then we have these various themes of work that very various people are doing, and then it might naturally come into that. Uh, and from there we move forward. Yeah, that makes sense. I think Sai yeah. has added uh, that missing word in my conversation. I was really struggling to come up with that word. Yeah, I think Sai has added that. Maybe we can be very specific, very concrete with our uh, purpose or maybe the sampling criteria. That will be like much better. Very nice. Very nice. So we've had a very solid discussion. And uh, what we should, should do is some of the highlights that we have brought in like intersectionality and some other stuff that uh, Dr. Thomas has suggested or Dr. Alfonso has suggested or Biraj has brought up. It was just not in too many details, but key points so that we capture all of that because what happens is this is a recording and one has to listen to the entire recording. But if you can just capture the essence of that, whatever you shared, which you felt was important to the contribution, you could put that in the WhatsApp group so that we can create and incorporate that in the new revised proposal, correct? So that we have a lot of clarity around that, all right? And then we'll also give duty a chance to uh, listen to this or whatever, and then go back in and, and share what she has thoughts around, right? <clears throat> but I think we've had a very, very productive, and um, uh, I know it's been long, but thank you so much for, for, your, for your time. <clears throat> and energy that you're putting into this. So let's move this forward and um, let's hope we have a really exciting study together. All right. Thank you. Thank Take you. care. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. And it, okay. it was a good interaction. Yeah. Thank you, thank you Sai. Thank you, Biraja. Biraja, thank you. Sai, thank you, all of you. Okay. And good thank night you. to all of you thank who you, are Dr. there on the Indian side. And um, yes. good day to Dr. Dan. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Still yeah, night. We just just before we pack off, we we had twenty one inches of snow a few days ago. Oh damn! Oh. So we were barely able to get out. The roads are clear now, but everywhere it's all the white stuff. You know, it's just crazy. All right. So take but care. Here in India, we will be missing that, right? Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. I was just really we don't have an option of like, missing what? it because we never had it. Experience <laughs> that. Yeah. You know, those that those that don't have it miss it. Those that have it say it should be gone as soon as possible. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Take care. Okay, nice bye. meeting all of you. Nice meeting okay. you, Biraja. All right. Take yeah. care.